Welcome to About Mansfield, your audio newspaper. I'm Steve Casillo with the January 25th, 2023, 157th edition. Always broadcasting from the Somark Studios along with Colleen Daniel and the About Mansfield news team. Coming up today, it's Mansfield news and weather for the upcoming week. And a little later in the episode, you will have a chance to win a $25 gift card to a local Mansfield eatery with our Mansfield trivia question, courtesy of Joe Jenkins Farmers Insurance. Let's take a look at the stories we're covering this week. Teacher tells PTA board, quote, we have been sadly deceived. May ballot starts to take form for city council and school board. Ballot propositions, parks improvements, and landmarks. We cover it all in a moment with the mayor. A sneak peek at the state of the city address. Thor makes the best looking list of MLB players. We have the seven day weather forecast. And in the talk segment, Steve talks in studio with a local author who has just published his 12th book. We are Mansfield's only source for news, talk, and information. This is About Mansfield. The housing market is evolving as interest rates rise to meet inflation. Speculation abounds as to what the future may hold. Do you have a trusted advisor? The Roger and Beth team at Century 21 Judge Fight should be your first call in all matters concerning real estate and the market. We specialize in residential real estate for both buyers and sellers. With industry partners across North America, our resources and expertise can turn the home you've been envisioning into a reality. Visit our website at homesinmansfield.com to learn more. That's homesinmansfield.com. I'm Philip Washington, Chief Investment Officer of Stonehill Wealth Management and host of the Wealth Building Made Simple podcast. First book I read in college was Rich Dad, Poor Dad, and it changed my life. And since then, I've read tons and tons of books on money. And what I've done is taken those lessons, simplified them, and I talk about those lessons on my podcast, Wealth Building Made Simple. So come hang out with us. We're on every major platform, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and on YouTube, Wealth Building Made Simple. Hi there. My name's Angela Thorne with Moses Movement, and you're listening to About Mansfield. Welcome back to About Mansfield. On the heels of last week's theft of property arrest of a former PTA president, Roberta Tips Academy staff, teachers, PTA board, and parents expressed their frustration Thursday evening over missing funds in the PTA bank account. One teacher told the board that, quote, we've been sadly deceived, end quote, as the PTA board is looking at $14,000 in outstanding invoices with just $8,000 in the bank. Citing lack of support from the state and local PTAs, one gentleman made a motion to dissolve the TIPS PTA and turn it into an independent parent-teacher organization, or PTO. The debate lasted about an hour, which ultimately failed 14 to 5. Stating that the PTA has the backing of the MISD school board, trustee Desiree Thomas told the audience to, quote, don't let a few bad people decide your fate. We can work together as a team and fix it, end quote. Also in attendance was Houston Mitchell, who, along with two other fathers, founded the Dads Club at Roberta Tips and told the PTA that the dads will fund this year's daddy-daughter dance, an expense that usually comes from the PTA. The Texas State PTA offered to audit the TIPS PTA financial records going back three years. Some attendees were asking the audit to go back as far as five to seven years. 
The investigation continues into where the monies went and why they didn't go to pay their vendors. We'll have more on this story as it develops. The ballot for City Council and MISD School Board are slowly taking shape as three incumbents wasted no time in filing for re-election. On the City Council side, Todd Tenori and Larry Brosh have filed to run for another three-year term for places six and seven, respectively, leaving place three, the lone, empty, and wide-open seat as Councilman Mike Lehman submitted his resignation earlier this month. Meanwhile, the two seats up for grab on the school board are places six and seven. No word on whether Warren Davis will run for re-election or not. If not, his absence will leave place six wide open, while incumbent and current school board president Courtney Lackey Wilson has filed to run again and is already looking at going head-to-head with one opponent as local resident Saba Ahmed has filed for place seven as well. Applications for city council can be obtained by visiting City Hall during regular business hours, and you can pick up a school board application at the MISD Administration Building on East Broad Street. If you would like to download a printable PDF copy, we have a link on our website, aboutmansfield.com. Just click on the links tab. The deadline to file your paperwork for city council or school board is on Friday, February 17th. There is no fee for filing. Early voting starts April 22nd and election day is Saturday, May 6th. And as we do with every election, we look forward to interviewing all of the council and school board candidates after the filing deadline. Mansfield City Council held a regularly scheduled meeting on Monday. The following opinions of those of Michael Evans may not necessarily reflect those of the Mansfield City Council. We say top of the morning to Mayor Michael Evans. Good morning. It's good to be here today. And Monday, wow, busy day. You started at 2 o'clock again <laughs> yes. uh, with, a, with a drink of water. <laughs> yeah, that's right. We started off with a, with a drink of water from the uh, Bud to Irvin water treatment plant. Uh, we were there. Uh, we started off our meeting there, as a matter of fact, at uh, 2 p.m. And um, council needed to do somewhat of a walkthrough because uh, that entire uh, uh, treatment center is going to go under uh, – necessary expansion. Uh, Of course, our city continues to grow and uh, we do have, we really do have a, uh, an award-winning program in that regard. So we we went out there and uh, yes, we did sample the very clean, filtered, (laughs) filtered, filtered, filtered water. They did a, they do an awesome job out there. And listen, I'm still, I'm here today. There you go. During the work session, you also talked about a new traffic circle. I love traffic circles. Yes, believe it or not. We talked about a new traffic circle that's uh, uh, going to go, uh, well, they're going to start constructing it on uh, West Broad Street and Retta Road. We are really excited about that. Just just the uh, look and the expansion of uh, the lanes there at um uh, Retta and Lillian, just just that entire area. You know, you have a couple of new neighborhoods uh, that have been built out there. You've got the Starlin Ranch uh, um, uh, community that's uh, coming up in that area as well. So uh, traffic is picking up, speeds are picking up, and the traffic circle is going to really tame uh, the amount of traffic that comes through there at uh, said speed. So uh, we're excited about it. Just looking at it, put a smile on the faces of the council members. And I believe that the public, especially those who live out there, they're going to love it. Sure. Well, one of the nice things about a traffic circle is that you can embellish them with with art. And 
We look forward to that. And, yeah. and as a matter of fact, you know, as we continue to uh, write our uh, cultural arts uh, uh, plan, a uh, master plan, we're going to see a lot more public art in our city. It's going to really enhance uh, the look, the vibe, the culture uh, that is Mansfield, Texas. Let's finish out the two o'clock work session with ballot propositions and parks improvements. Yeah, we uh, we did. We discussed uh, a couple of propositions that would allow the city to expand its use of what's called type A funds for a type B purposes. And, and what it is, is we are actually asking the taxpayers uh, to uh, give us more flexibility in the use of of, of our tax dollar tax dollars uh, that will allow us to attract uh, sports and entertainment venues uh, venues similar to uh, what you see in Grand Prairie. Arlington, places like that. Again, as, as we grow, we, we want to develop that 360 corridor sure. uh, to a, a destination place. Uh, we've got, of course, you know, Big League Dreams. We've got um, the golf course and, and all of that uh, that's uh, out there, Hawaiian Falls. But I tell you this, uh, we have some things on the drawing board that's going to um, be a big draw. And you know what? Who's to say that uh, we won't have a venue uh, ready for the uh, World Cup? So, uh, you know, Stay tuned. That's right. Seven o'clock came. It's time for the uh, the big show and started off with environmental services. Yes, uh, we did. You know, and when you think about environmental services and that department, uh, they they keep our our waterways and our streets and our green spaces clean. And that is so very important. So what they offered to us uh, this time was the annual uh, storm water report. And um, I, we, we, we have, again, a top-notch staff. They do an outstanding job. And uh, Mansfield is also one of the, and I mean, it just is. We're one of the cleanest cities uh, in uh, the Metroplex, and we want to keep it that way. One of the publications that I love reading every quarter is the quarterly magazine that comes out of the city of Mansfield, and it's the community engagement uh, department that, uh, that, that puts that out. You know, and what's important about that, it also highlights the achievements uh, from our different city departments uh, during each fiscal quarter. And um, you know what, Dave, with you mentioning that, uh, Steve, I, I think it's important for us to understand that uh, that, that is a, a quarterly that comes out. But folks can have access to it if they go to our uh, website, uh, www.mansfieldtexas.gov. I'm just going to tee it up for you. Consent agenda. What took place there? All right. The city council, we approved all of the items on the consent agenda, including a resolution approving uh, my appointment as a cluster city uh, representative to the uh, North Central Texas Council of Governments, uh, the Regional Transportation Council. And um, what that is, uh, that particular uh, committee, that particular group is all things transportation, uh, trains, planes, automobiles, boats, uh, you name it. Sure. It, it's, it's all of that. And uh, that is a decision making body also that uh, helps control uh, the funding for our uh, highways, streets and otherwise, not just for the city of Mansfield, but for the entire North Texas uh, region. Uh, so um 
I look forward to uh, being a part of that. I want to thank, as a matter of fact, my, my predecessor who uh, served on that committee uh, for years, uh, um, former Councilman Mike Lehman. He did an outstanding job on that committee. And speaking of Mike Lehman, and uh, we, we it, it was mentioned here on the podcast last week, Lehman has uh, submitted his resignation for place three. And uh, part of the meeting Monday night was to create a special election. That is correct. Um, that's what we did. We... Uh, uh, approved a resolution calling for a special general, uh, a special general election. I'll get it out to be held on May 6, 2023, to uh, fill a vacancy on uh, city council. And um, um, Councilman Layman uh, will be missed. We appreciate uh, his years of public service. But I tell you, Steve, what that means is we're going to have uh, three seats that's up for uh, election. And I, I just want to uh, just go on record and saying that I believe we have an outstanding team and I look forward to uh, working uh, with with the folks we have and, and continue to move forward. We've done a great work together and it's a good team to be a part of. Nice. The next on the agenda was uh, an agenda item that was tabled. Yeah, we, we uh, table a um, economic development agreement between the city of Mansfield, our economic development corporation and uh, crystal window and door uh, systems. Really all we need to do there is just to finalize uh, the uh, language in, in the contracts. Uh, we look forward to crystal uh, window joining our corporate community. Uh, they're going to bring, uh, we believe at least a uh, hundred, 120 uh, new jobs here to the area. And, um, uh, we have a top notch manufacturing family and we look forward to them coming. So, um, look for that to happen really soon. A couple of more items on the agenda. Donation boxes, uh, uh, reared its ugly head. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's funny. Okay. You know what? What? And pun intended. Um, because, uh, one of the things that we're seeing and quite a few of our residents, they, they are complaining about it and they should, you know, the donation boxes. We need to make sure that we take care of those who don't have uh, what we have, the less fortunate. We got that. That is so very important. However, what usually happens is uh, you have groups that'll come and they'll just plop down one of those big containers. And then when you fill them up, you got clothes, you know, bags and everything just strode all over the. Sure. Well, well that's an old word, strode, huh? Isn't it? You know, just strode <laughs> all over the uh, the parking lot <laughs> and stuff like that. So it's it's unsightly. And we've got to bring some uniformity to that. And uh, a council took steps uh, to make that happen. And we we appreciate uh, Miss uh, Nicolette uh, Rashudi who helps to make that happen. Yeah. Uh, a couple of more items, landmarks and multifamily housing. Yeah. You know, we are becoming, I believe, more conscious. I mean, we have been. Uh, Art Wright has done an outstanding job. He, he helps to lead our preservation uh, uh, work and historic work here in town. He's he's done that for years and, and does a great job. So we adopted design guidelines for commercial and non-residential historic landmarks, and we approved the uh, guidelines applicable uh, to all areas of the city of Mansfield. And as you mentioned, also um, multifamily housing, uh, you are right. Uh, we did uh, we did approve uh, a request for a specific use permit uh, for um, uh, units on approximately uh, 10 acres located at 240 North Mitchell Road. Uh, this is in what is called the reserve area. And uh, one of the things that uh, we as, as city council persons try to do is to uh, help the public to to note that um, 
These are agreements that have been made, I mean, years ago, like the early 2000s, early part of uh, of uh, the turn of the century, uh, believe it or not. So, prior uh, to most of the current city council. Pr- prior to most of the current city council, not only us, but even the administration prior to us. Sure. And, um, you know, you're tied to these, to these agreements. Um, to do otherwise, you're spending taxpayer money and defending lawsuits. And uh, we think that uh, those millions of dollars should go into uh, street improvements and other things of that nature rather than litigated in uh, long court battles. Mr. Mayor, go forth and prosper. We'll see you in two weeks. That's a moment with the mayor on About Mansfield. Peace be unto you, sir. Speaking of the mayor, Michael Evans is set to give the State of the City address on Thursday night and gave About Mansfield a sneak preview. Thursday night is going to be unique because we are inviting the entire public. It's at evening time. And uh, the the thought behind that was that let, let working Mr. and Mrs. Manfield be able to come out, hear what's going on in the uh, city. But also we want them to um, meet your mayor, meet your city council members, uh, meet other people who are part of uh, the departments here and just see really how the city works. So we're going to be pointing folks a uh, true north, of course, you know, that those are our principles, our guiding principles of service here. And uh, the N uh, represents noteworthy essentials. The O, uh, organizational excellence. The R, remarkable experiences. The T, together as one. And H, you got to have a good, healthy economy. So we're going to be talking about all of that, uh, Joe Smolensky and I. And um, if listen, wh- whoever's listening today, and I know that you got a gazillion people listening. Yes, we want them all to come, come out to the uh, Jim Vashaska's uh, Center for Performing Arts, and um, see what's going on. Shouldn't last longer than a couple of hours at the most, but. Um, the stakeholders in this city, it's the residents, it's the people who live here and pay the taxes. So we wanted to do this with them, in front of them, and I hope this starts a great trend. You can see Mayor Evans deliver his State of the City address on Thursday night, 6.30, at the Center for the Performing Arts on Debbie Lane. As focus will be turning to Major League Baseball in the very near future, pitchers and catchers report in just two and a half weeks. Of the 975 MLB players that made the opening day roster in 2022, only five players can carry the title of top five handsomest players. Did you happen to see this? SportsSRY.com has come up with a list of the top five best looking ball players, and making the list is the pride of legacy high Noah Syndergaard. That's right, Thor, as he's known to his fans. He's now 30 years old and plays for the Los Angeles Dodgers. But apparently, he's still got it going on. Rounding out the top five are Cody Bellinger, Mookie Betts, Kiki Hernandez, and Max Kepler. So what do you think about Noah, one of baseball's best-looking players? We'd love to hear from you. You can reach us by voicemail at 817-435-2938. Again, 817-435-2938. Or by email at news at aboutmansfield.com. Again, that is news at aboutmansfield.com. Sunday, January 29th is National Puzzle Day, a day where we stay in our pajamas all day and do puzzles. Be it an easy, medium, or hard Sudoku, a simple or perhaps a thousand-piece jigsaw puzzle, uh, how about a mind-bending Rubik's Cube, the Daily Wordle, or of course my favorite, the New York Times crossword. Of course, there are several other options of puzzles, and may we suggest that this coming Sunday... 
Whatever your choice may be, take life a little slower, break out the puzzles, and enjoy National Puzzle Day. Let's head on over to the weather desk and check the forecast for the upcoming week with the slightly puzzled Colleen. Colleen, do you have a favorite puzzle? Gosh, Steve, I think most of the time these days, both my job and my life present enough conundrums that I don't need to seek out external puzzle stimuli. Trying to put together a reasonably accurate weather forecast is enough of a puzzle. Let's take a look at the weather for the next seven days in Mansfield, Texas. After a chilly, wet, slightly slushy Tuesday, we're looking at a continuation of typical January temperatures. We're looking at a high of 48 degrees Wednesday, 51 degrees Thursday, 59 degrees Friday, 60 degrees Saturday, 60 degrees Sunday, 54 degrees Monday, and 52 degrees on Tuesday. Coming up after the break, we turn the page to the features section. I'm Dennis Webb, and in today's science segment, we will talk about some recent news about nuclear power. It's a new year and a new you. Methodist Mansville has a new weight loss and wellness program. We'll be talking about a fresh start later in the episode. What are some of the common mistakes that sellers make when listing their homes for sale? I'm Beth Steinke, and today I'll share some examples of what not to do on the Mansfield Real Estate Report. In this week's Cocktail of the Week segment, I'll be talking about a cocktail that will have you wishing that summer was even closer. We are Mansfield's only source for news, talk, and information. I'm Colleen Daniel, and this is About Mansfield. At Methodist Health System, every person we treat Good morning, class. is a vital part of the communities we call home. Table for two. That's why we're dedicated to exceptional, innovative care. From robotic surgery and advanced oncology to helping you find a healthier path. And hold that pose. Three, two, one. Being there when and where our neighbors need us. The doctor will be right in. That's community. And why so many people trust Methodist. No matter your familiarity with buying or selling real estate, having an experienced, trusted advisor on speed dial is priceless. The Roger and Beth team of Century 21 Judge Fight is here to be that resource for you. Whether you're buying right here in Mansfield or your dreams are taking you elsewhere, we are ready to help you with turning that vision into a reality. To learn more, visit our website at homesinmansfield.com. That's homesinmansfield.com. Congratulations to Esther Gomez, who was the first person to email the correct answer to last week's trivia question. Who was the first African-American to be elected to the Mansfield City Council? According to The History of Mansfield, McClendon Moody served 15 years on the Mansfield City Council. Because of his contributions to the city, Moody has not one but two city parks named in his honor, McClendon Parks East and West. McClendon Moody passed away in 2018, but will always be the first African-American elected to the Mansfield City Council. Esther has won a $25 gift card to a local Mansfield eatery. When we come back, this week's trivia question, this is about Mansfield. Hey, it's Steve Casillo. I want to take a second to tell you about Podcast Mansfield Recording Studio 
3.0. It's where we record and produce the About Mansfield podcast episodes. What started out as an audio-only studio, Podcast Mansfield is now a full-service audio and video recording studio, complete with custom green screen backgrounds, two high-definition cameras, editing, mixing, and mastering capabilities, and we can also help market your podcast. Podcast Mansfield is home to such great locally produced shows, such as Wealth Building Made Simple, we are TPM and Wealth Think Tank Television, just to name a few. So whether you're a hands-on person or just need a place to record your podcast or need advice from concept to completion, Podcast Mansfield is here to help. Conveniently located on Heritage Parkway just off of 287 right here in Mansfield, mention the About Mansfield podcast and you get to record your first episode at no charge. For more information on starting your podcast, or if you're looking for a better place to record, Podcast Mansfield Recording Studio can be found on the internet at podcastmansfield.com. Hi, this is Joe Jenkins with Joe Jenkins Farmers Insurance, specializing in auto, home, commercial, and life insurance. I was born and raised here in Mansfield, Texas. We're active in the community, and Mansfield's a town we really care about. Our office has over 30 years' experience in the insurance industry, and we're passionate about what we do and about customer service. For a free quote, please visit our website at joejenkinsinsurance.com or give us a call at 817-472-6058. Once again, that website is joejenkinsinsurance.com. It is time right now for the highly coveted, wildly popular About Mansfield trivia question. If you are the first person to email the correct answer to trivia at aboutmansfield.com, you will receive a $25 gift card to a local Mansfield eatery brought to you by Joe Jenkins Insurance. Whether you're looking for homeowners, auto, commercial, or any other type of insurance, Joe has helped Mansfield area residents understand the insurance coverage that best fit their needs since 2010. You can find them on the internet at joejenkinsinsurance.com. By the way, one recent winner told me that they didn't think they had a chance at winning since the episode was released six days prior to them listening. Just a quick tip, not every winner submits their answer on Wednesdays. So if you're listening on Thursday, Friday, or even Saturday, give it a shot. You might be taking home a $25 restaurant gift card. Let's get to this week's question, Colleen. Well, Steve, we are just a few days away from Wednesday, February 1st, which is National Texas Day. This week's trivia question is... What is National Texas Day? Email your answer to trivia at aboutmansfield.com. Again, what is National Texas Day? Good luck, and thanks to Joe Jenkins Insurance for the gift card. Hi, I'm Michelle Newsom, Mansfield School Board Trustee, and you're listening to About Mansfield. Welcome back to About Mansfield, your audio newspaper. Let's open up the features section. Let's head on over to the science desk where roving science reporter Dennis Webb goes nuclear. Dennis? Thank you, Steve. There were recently a couple things in in the news about nuclear electric power. The big news is that for the first time on our planet, scientists have triggered a controlled nuclear fusion chain reaction that generated more energy than it took to get going. Well, this is a big deal. It's not going to change our lives or electric bills much anytime soon. The big deal is if we can ignite and keep a nuclear fusion chain reaction going and convert it to electricity, the recurring cost per kilowatt hour will dramatically decrease, and that that would change the world. Getting to workable fission chain reaction takes a lot of energy to get it started, 
and the lab where they did this recent test is called simply the National Ignition Facility. This is not a couple trailers filled with equipment, but a massive complex with hundreds of super high power lasers focusing all their energy on a tiny point of ignition. So how does this fusion thing work? The lasers create massive temperatures on the ignition point, hot enough, like the center of the sun, to force two atoms to fuse into a single atom. A tiny portion of the original mass is converted to a massive amount of energy. You may recall the famous equation E equals mc squared, and this it kind of explains how this works. The tiny amount of mass that is lost is multiplied by the speed of light squared, a huge number, to produce a huge amount of energy. This is where sunlight comes from. Tiny crumbs on the inside of the sun are consumed every day to put out massive amounts of energy through fusion. The sun is losing mass every day to this, but it's barely enough to notice. Nuclear fusion uses easily available fuel, mostly from the ocean, that does not produce radioactive waste like the nuclear fission fuel production. In other news, surprising to me, is that the U.S. Nuclear Regulatory Commission recently certified the design for a new smaller nuclear fission reactor to produce commercial electric power. This is only the seventh design to be certified in the 70 years we've been using nuclear power in this country. The new design is smaller than previous designs and incorporates new technology and engineering. Fission is different from fusion in that the energy, which comes out as heat, comes from large radioactive atoms breaking down, this is fission, into smaller radioactive atoms in a chain reaction. It produces less energy than fusion. Fission reactors produce nuclear waste from processing to make the fuel for the reactor and what is left over after the fuel is spent. The waste has to go somewhere, a problem, as nobody wants it in their backyard. I wouldn't. The U.S. currently has 92 active nuclear power plants, all fission, producing 20% of our nation's electricity. There are two big ones in Texas, one fairly close by over in Glen Rose. In the late 1950s, our nation was projected to have a thousand nuclear power plants, but this never happened. The optimism has often been mocked, including the Steely Dan song that includes the line, Nuclear Day. There are other songs. Nuclear power generation has never been able to shake its relation to its destructive nuclear weapons. That shocked the world at the end of World War II. Some of the acceptance problems was the economics, as reactors are always more expensive to build than forecast. Also, the nation is always adding regulations for safety, and these evolve over time. Also, the competitors, oil, gas, wind, and solar, their cost and, and, and price fluctuates. And notably, gas has been really cheap for 20 years. Hydroelectric power is really stable in, in price and cost, but only produces 6% of the nation's electricity, and there is unlikely to be ever any more. But, fun fact, there is a small hydroelectric power plant nearby where the water from Lake Richland Chambers drains into Lake Arlington. It is just recovering some of the electricity it took to pump it here. But in space program, we call that a self-eating watermelon. So back to nuclear. Our nation, its citizenry, and its industries, and the economy have been ambivalent about nuclear power. The major nuclear disasters of Three Mile Island, Chernobyl, which is in Ukraine, and Fukushima in Japan, always seem to stall a coming renaissance in American nuclear power. As a person who worked with high-energy systems, rockets, I know you can do this high-energy system stuff safely and effectively. But everybody hands-on with the system has to keep their eye on a very complicated ball. And this is hard to do across decades. 
This is the month of Space Geeks, Remember the Lives Lost in the Apollo Fire, and the Challenger and Columbia Shuttle Disasters. These last two took some of my friends. In Latin, they say ad astra per aspera, which means to the stars with difficulty. I hope the new small nuclear reactor gets built and works. I will try to have, have a happier story next week. If you have any science questions for me to answer here, send an email to info at aboutmansfield.com. From the Science Desk at About Mansfield, I'm Dennis Webb. Angel Biasati wants you to start the new year with a new you in today's Methodist Mansfield News to Know. Methodist Mansfield has opened a new weight loss and wellness center, and we have nurse practitioner and nurse navigator Ashley Attaway with us. Ashley, tell us more about the program. We are very excited to be offering a new lifestyle for individuals here in Mansfield. Our Weight Loss and Wellness Center is now located in the Professional Office Building 1 and provides a medical-guided approach to losing weight. We have more than 20 individuals who are averaging losses of 6 pounds every month, and they have improved self-esteem, increased energy, and a new healthy way of life. Our staff will make you feel welcomed and at ease. On your first initial visit, we will take your body composition scan. You'll step on the machine and we analyze your body weight, body mass index, skeletal muscle mass, fat mass, total body water, and energy expenditure, all within about 30 seconds. You will then visit with our board-certified obesity medicine and family practice physician, Nancy George Cuddy, who helps you every step of the way. We talk about the many factors that may be stalling your weight loss and how we can help you improve your ability to lose weight. We like to customize each program to the individual. Individuals also meet monthly with our registered dietitian who helps teach you nutritional principles that help make you make good choices to fall in love with food again. Our goal is to give you the behavioral changes that will result in lasting weight loss, not just the quick fix. We want to help you be your best physically, emotionally, and mentally. That is why we partner with psychologists as well to consult with you to determine any mental barriers to weight loss. We would love to partner with you to help you achieve your goals. How do you sign up? Call 682-242-7526 today to schedule an appointment. Ashley, thank you for joining us today. Reporting for the About Mansfield podcast, I'm Angel Biasati with Methodist Mansfield News to Know. Realtor Beth Steinke runs down the top five mistakes sellers make in the Mansfield real estate market update. I don't dare say I've seen it all because as sure as I do, real estate will say, hold my beer. But I have seen a lot and I have developed a solid list of what not to do for sellers. Number one, definitely you want to tackle the projects in advance of listing. If you've been putting off repainting the front door, go ahead, get that and other small projects done. Buyers do not want to pay top dollar for a house full of maintenance projects. Now that doesn't mean you have to replace the countertops, but it does mean that you should fix what's broken and get the property as close to fully maintained as possible. Number two, don't give all your secrets away. Please do not misunderstand this guidance to mean that you should not disclose defects. You must do that. What I mean is, let's put away the giant cabinet in the bathroom holding the towels. This screams, I don't have a linen closet or adequate storage in this house. While that may be true, we don't have to scream that at prospective buyers. Recently, I walked into a lovely home in Mansfield showing some out-of-town buyers, and at the front and the back door were these braces 
you know, kind of like the clubs that we used to put on our steering wheels, but this was for your house. So it was definitely not the message we wanted those buyers to pick up, but they did. And they promptly not only ruled out the house, they ruled out the entire neighborhood. Number three, air fresheners won't always fix that smell. You know the one, the one you probably don't even notice anymore. Be courageous and ask your agent if there are any odors they are noticing. Most commonly, it's pet odor or cigarette smoke. But we have tips and tricks to reduce that impact. But many agents are not brave enough to let you know. So that's why I suggest just ask them outright. Number four, please pick up the doggy evidence from the backyard. Enough said there, right? Number five, and maybe most importantly, please leave for the showings and even the inspection. If the buyer has questions, the agent will reach out. I've seen it time and again. Buyers will rush through a showing just to get out of there when the seller is present. They do not feel safe opening closets or cabinets or discussing the pros and cons of the home while you're there. Give them the space to breathe in the beauty of your house and feel comfortable in the space. Not that long ago, I was showing a house in Mansfield that had cameras in every single room. In fact, when you walked into one room in particular, an ethereal voice would say, you are being recorded. And when I say every single room, I mean every single room. That was equally uncomfortable as if the seller was there following us around and giving us absolutely zero personal space as we viewed the home. If you have that many valuables that you're worried about, you probably need to get a safe or remove them entirely from the home. Hopefully, with these great tips, you'll have your home sold in no time. Now let's get to this week's Mansfield Real Estate Market Update. As of January 23rd, there are only 93 active and available homes for sale in Mansfield, excluding new construction. That number continues to dwindle as home sellers may not be quite ready to put their homes on the market. But competition for both buyers and sellers is low right now, and available homes remain in demand. Homes this week range from a $200,000 fixer-upper on over half an acre, with the list topping out at nearly $2 million for a 7,000-square-foot home on two and a half acres. The economic horizon looks promising, though. Inflation rates are down from 8.5% to 7.1%, which likely means the Fed will slow down interest rate increases. Their stated inflation target is 2%, so we still have a ways to go, but the trajectory is going in the right direction. Are you confused about the real estate market? Send me your questions to info at aboutmansfield.com. For the About Mansfield podcast, I'm Beth Steinke with Century 21 Judge Fight. Shaken or stirred? Either way, you know it's going to be good, as Brian Certain serves up a tasty blackberry delight in the cocktail of the week. This week's cocktail of the week is the Blackberry and Thyme Sparkling Cocktail. Today, I'm continuing my series on elevated cocktails for the new year. But as always, don't worry about taking notes, as I'll be posting out all the ingredients and instructions on bourbongospel.com. This week's cocktail is the Blackberry and Thyme Sparkling Cocktail. What are you going to need? You're going to need some fresh blackberries, some fresh thyme, sugar water, lemon juice, some sparkling white wine, champagne, prosecco, cava, anything that works for you. And here's how you make the cocktail. First, you start by making a simple syrup by combining the fresh blueberries, the sugar, a squeeze of fresh lemon juice into a pan. You add an equal amount of water to sugar, so one cup of sugar, one cup of water. You're going to put in a couple of handfuls of blueberry and a squeeze of fresh lemon into a pan. 
bring that to a boil, and allow to simmer for about 15 minutes until it's thickened into a syrup. Allow the syrup to cool before you use it. But once cool, spoon a spoonful of the syrup into the bottle of a champagne glass. Then top with the champagne. Add fresh sprigs of thyme or substitute rosemary if you can't find thyme. As always, I'm open to hear your take and your input. You can reach me at bourbongospel at gmail.com. And until next week, as Mark Twain said, too much of anything is bad, but too much whiskey is barely enough. Reporting for About Mansfield, I'm Brian Certain. I'm Mansfield Police Chief Tracy Aaron, and you are listening to About Mansfield. Welcome back to another segment of About Mansfield. I'm Steve Casillo as we make the transition from news to talk. And in the studio today, I love interviewing local authors because it, it gives us an idea of what's on their brain inside their book through the the magic of words and in the studio today is a is a local author he has not only written one book he's not written two books or three he just released his 12th book called cold case 82-3 and we are going to talk about not only his latest book uh, we're going to go all the way back to his first book maybe even hit some in the middle ken aldridge Welcome to About Mansfield. Thank you. Thank you. Now, according to your bio, you were born and raised in Grand Island, Nebraska. You graduated from the University of Nebraska at Kearney. And uh, you, did, uh, you, you, you taught business and math classes to high school. But uh, here's the part that really intrigues me is that you eventually found your calling in the FBI. You joined the FBI in 1969. You served as special agent first in Tennessee, then in North Dakota, before retiring in 1993. Now, if my math uh, is as good as yours, that's 24 years. 24 years of service. Yes. 24 years as a as a special so, agent in the FBI. And retired 30. <laughs> Almost nice. Are, so. What let's let's talk about your career before we get into your books. Sure. Uh, why the FBI? What led you to the FBI? Well, it's kind of an interesting uh, story. I was working as a statistical clerk for a actuarial firm in Omaha, Nebraska. Uh, I was kind of the low man on the totem pole, and actually did uh, take several of the actuary tests. Uh, I only had a a minor in math, and most of those people were pretty strong math majors and so on. But one of the people I worked with, uh, when he went to the University of Nebraska, he uh, worked part-time on the Lincoln, Nebraska Police Department. Hmm. And he loved to talk about cases, police stories, and particularly if it involved the FBI, the lab, and that type of thing. And... Lo and behold, one day the uh, my boss came to me and he said, you know, we're going to have to cut back. He said, you've done a great job here. This was like after three years working for him. He says, but we're going to give you as much time as you need to find another job. Uh, and we'll give you a good recommendation and, you know, blah, blah, blah. But in, in other words, you're fired. Yes. <laughs> okay. So uh, I was, of course, the, you know, everybody in the office uh, knew about it eventually, and this fellow came to me uh, that had worked for the Lincoln Police Department, and he said, uh, you ought to apply with the FBI. And I said, well, why? He says, well, I heard they are hiring, which is 
kind of unusual. They don't really go out uh, on a a well-publicized hiring. uh, Yeah, let's have a job fair for the FBI. And I asked him, I said, well, why don't you apply? And he held up his hand. I never realized, but he was missing two digits of his uh, right hand and Hmm. his whatever finger. (laughs) Yeah, ring finger. Yeah, ring finger. Okay. And... And, you know, I just kind of let it go at that. And uh, actually, I had applied for jobs over the next couple of months uh, with uh, Northwestern Bell and Sinclair Oil. And actually, they both offered me jobs. But in the meantime, I did go down and apply with the FBI. Uh, It's kind of a long process. I started the application or uh, first talked to them in May and was hired. I got a letter in August. So it was quite a long process of, uh, but, and then, uh, the process was a test written test. Uh, that's the, the first step. And then there has to be a physical exam. And after a physical exam, there's a background investigation. And then, uh, you have to be interviewed by, uh, the agent in charge or assistant agent in charge which I was, which surprised me because he only asked me a couple of questions and I was in and out of there. (laughs) Are you a U.S. citizen? Yes, you're in. (laughs) So, uh, but what was happening was in 1968, uh, Congress passed uh, a bunch of law enforcement bills uh, targeting organized crime. Mm. And it was, I think it was called the ominous crime bills of 1968, something like that. And there was a lot of a lot of new laws uh, in there, and they uh, the Department of Justice went in on went into J. J. Edgar Hoover's office and dumped these on his off on his desk and said, you know, good luck. And he immediately said, well, I'm going to need more agents if we're going to handle these violations of these laws. I need more more agents. And so there was a um, a concerted effort to to get out, and up to that time, most all the FBI agents were law 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 people uh, or accountants. Mm-hmm. Uh, I of course I was neither one. But what they what they did in order to get enough people to apply, they dropped it to a college degree with three years of some type of professional investigative management type experience. And uh, I'd been out of school for, what, five years, something like that. Yeah. And <clears throat> I guess part of what I did for a couple of years was a quality control investigator for Wilson Meatpackers. And I guess they figured, well, you know, that's whatever. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, uh, uh, I was hired. And an interesting part of this story is that I never told my wife. I was married at the, at the during this time. I never uh-huh. told her I'd even applied because I didn't think, I really didn't think it was going to go. I didn't know if I'd actually ever qualify. Uh, when I was five years old, I was hit by a car and I had a broken leg. And um, for a while, up and through college days, I, I would periodically have uh, leg aches and that type of thing. But hmm. Eventually grew out of it, and I was always thought that that would hinder me. But when I had my physical exam, the only thing they really want the FBI wanted to know is can he handle physical activity? Right. Well, I had been involved in sports and and uh, all through high school and into college, so 
that wasn't a problem. And so, no law enforcement requirements. Uh, it, no. No, it, no law enforcement experience necessary. We will train you and right. to be. Are do you start off as a special agent? You start off as a special agent and, as, and define the job role as as a special agent. Well, you actually you're an investigator, and cases are assigned, uh, and you the supervisors. Uh, divvy up uh, each new case that comes in to various agents. A lot of depends on their experience and background. But the training, uh, I actually started uh, training December 1st, 1969, mm-hmm. uh, was when I had to report to Washington. There were 50 white males <laughs> in our class. And I just say that it, the first female agent was hired in 1972. So this was 1969. Um, there uh, were 50 people in my class, and the cl- and the uh, classes ran. The training was 13 weeks, hmm. all in Washington D.C. This before the Hoover Building was built, uh, and on Quantico Marine Base which is now where the headquarters, or not the headquarters, but all the training is. Okay. And did you get to meet J. Edgar Hoover during, actually during any time of your tenure in the in the FBI? And that's a very commonly asked question. Okay. <laughs> no, I didn't. You didn't? I didn't. Uh, he used to always want to meet uh, the graduating class, and uh, but about three years before I started, uh, they stopped that. It just got to be too much of a... Uh, arrangements and the hassle to do that. So, yeah. uh, but so I know I never did. And he died in '72. Uh, so I worked actually under him for about three years. You were doing the training there, thirteen weeks in Washington. Yes, and uh, and then they said, "Oh, you first started in Tennessee, then to North Dakota." They they said, "All right, we're going to ship you off to Tennessee." Yes, and back in those days, they did not send uh, new graduates. To back to their home area. Now, over the years, that's that's changed. Uh, eventually, they found out that uh, you know sending somebody who, who grew up in New York City back to New York City, they they know the lay of the land. And, yeah. And uh, so anyway, but that changed. But back in those days, um, the new agents were normally assigned to medium sized offices, not nothing really too big or too small. Uh, and there were like 55 FBI offices. So I didn't really have, didn't have a choice uh, of where we were going to go. Uh, <clears throat> but uh, we did get like a three weeks notice before we knew, uh, you know, where we were going to get transferred yeah. to. And So you had three weeks to tell your wife that you're moving to Tennessee. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And how'd that go over? Well, pretty well. Actually, um, I uh, uh, I had an uncle, uh, a great uncle in uh, Nashville, uh, who I'd had some contact with. So I mean, we figured well, and of course Elvis was living there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> but you know, uh, the training. I just wanted to talk a little bit about the training. The sure. Tra- training was uh, was uh, very intense. Uh, a lot of uh, physical defense. Uh, type training, uh, firearms training, um, the uh, the statutes that the FBI uh, enforced. Of course, they're divvied up 
between DEA and alcohol, tobacco, firearms, and Secret Service. You know, we all the FBI. They all had pieces of these laws that uh, that were on the books. Right. So the training was very intense, specifically about uh, the laws and the most the laws that mostly uh, the FBI were involved in, which were bank robbery. Uh, at those days, bank robbery, extortion, blackmail, uh, interstate transportation of stolen property, vehicles, uh, those kind of things. Of course, since then, a lot has changed. A lot is with computers and internet frauds. Uh, you know, that whole thing has changed. But yeah. Working in, in Tennessee, so you were based out of Nashville then, is that correct? No. no. Actually, no. I Wrong again, Casino. I, I, went, I, went right, I went right to, to Memphis, uh, medium-sized office, uh, and what they, what they did is they assigned me to a veteran agent, mm-hmm. and uh, I kind of uh, was his shadow for a few weeks and helped him on his cases and kind of learned you know, where the restroom was and things like that. <laughs> Do you recall the first case that you worked on? I was afraid you would ask that. No, I, I really, I really don't. Although there were, we were getting a lot of deserter cases. And uh, what's a deserter case? A deserter is a military person that goes AWOL. 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 Okay. We, we call them deserter. Yeah. They, they were classification forty two. Every. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I did have a case where. Uh, the family, uh, this fellow was a deserter. The family lived out on the edge of town uh, of Memphis. And we pretty much had information that he was around. But whenever we would go, the mother uh, told us, no, she hadn't seen him, didn't know where he was, and so on. <clears throat> well, after a month or so, there was in the article in the newspaper that he was actually killed by his brother, who tried to shoot an apple off the top of his head. Oh, my gosh. That's got to be a, an entry for the Darwin Awards. Yes. <laughs> yes. And and I used that story many times in my career yeah. to try to get cooperation uh, from people, from relatives, particularly if they were looking for somebody. So. How long were you in Memphis and, and, and then moved to North Dakota? Well, back back in those days, it was a one-off. One year, everybody that was out of training went to your first office. Everybody knew it was going to be approximately uh, one year, ten to thirteen months, which uh, which was happened for me. And and my orders uh, after eleven or twelve months were go to go to Minneapolis, mm-hmm. and uh, that was fine with me. I was grew up in Nebraska. I had an uncle and uncle in Minneapolis, uh, some contact there. Uh, but uh, a week or so later, uh, I got a call from the agent in charge, and he said, we have an opening in Minot, North Dakota. Why not? Why not Minot? <laughs> <laughs> and interestingly enough, I had heard of uh, Minot because when I worked for the actuarial firm, uh, one of their clients was an insurance company in Minot. Mm-hmm. And mostly what I knew about it is they about every three or four years, they had these terrific floods. Um, but anyway, the uh, I jumped. He, he asked me if, if that would if I'd be okay with that. And I jumped at the chance. 
And part of that was economics, because in those days, the an agent working in Minot, North Dakota, got the same pay with the same amount of time and experience as an agent working in Los Angeles or New York City and so on. So uh, I had uh, we had three children, and uh, uh, my wife was very open to it, and so we uh, we went off to Minot, North Dakota, and I served there five years until there was an opening in Fargo, of course, much bigger uh, city and more diversified investigations. Yeah, uh, and it was a promotion uh, to uh, um, senior resident agent. Uh, is what they called it, even though it was a t- only a two-man post. An office of two people. Yeah. Okay. And, and the North Dakota uh, at that time had two agents in Bismarck, two in Minot, two in Grand Forks, and two in Fargo. And the type of cases that you would work on, whether it's in Minot or Fargo, what uh, uh, drug cases, murder cases, uh, AWOL cases, what, what are you working on? Uh, fugitive cases. Fugitive. Uh, a lot of bank frauds. Um, um, also, well, in Minot, uh, the FBI has jurisdiction on most all Indian reservations hmm. from all of the 13 major crimes, uh, assault resulting in serious bodily injury all the way up through murder. Uh, and we had we did get some training uh, for local law enforcement investigations on basic burglaries and murders and that kind of thing. So uh, that was helpful, but it wasn't enough. <laughs> but we, so we relied heavily on the Bureau of Indian Affairs, uh, police departments and investigators. Mm-hmm. And uh, so uh, we worked with them. Of course, they knew the people, they knew. Uh, and is that, I'm sorry, is that the case all the way across the country that Indian reservations are, are, uh, under the jurisdiction of FBI, most, most, not not all of them are. Huh. Uh, for example, the White Earth Indian Reservation in Minnesota, uh, which is right outside of Bemidji, uh, Minnesota, mm-hmm. is a state jurisdiction. So at one point in time, the reservation opted to either go federal or state. Okay. Uh, the in Oklahoma, those are all state. All the the well, there really isn't any reservations. There's I mean, there's areas where there's Choctaw and the Cherokee and so on, but there's no really designated reservations. There's there's no Windstar reservation uh, no. just across the border. There is <laughs> never heard of it. <laughs> uh, well, the state was uh, the four uh, four offices. We divided the state of North Dakota in four. By counties, your cases were and your investigations were by county. So, so many counties. We and in Fargo, we had uh, like the a fourth of the state, all of the south east portions of the state. Uh, and some, in order to regulate uh, workload, sometimes some of those counties would sh- shift to a different uh, a resident agency, like up to Grand Forks or whatever, just to make the workloads uh, equitable. Okay. You were in North Dakota, both Minot and, and Fargo, at, for the the majority of your career. Uh, you had a 24-year career, so you, what, 22, 23 years? 27, uh, 17 years in... In, uh, in North Dakota. In 17 years in Fargo, five years in Minot. 22 years. And one year in... 
in Memphis? So a little short of 24 is actually okay. is what it was. In North Dakota, is there is there one case that sticks out? You're shaking your head yes. Like, okay, uh, that that sticks out as like the case that you, you whether you really enjoyed working on. Well, it was a, a shootout between the U.S. Marshals and some tax farmer tax protesters. Uh, February 13th, 1983, uh, in the, on the plains of uh, North Dakota. Mm-hmm. Uh, to, uh, the U.S. Marshal and a deputy were killed. Uh, a deputy sheriff was injured. A local police officer was injured. Uh, and there were five tax protesters. It was a shootout. And uh, I don't know how far you want me to go. Yeah, in, keep going. In, uh, into this, but... Uh, it was uh, it was in a county that was uh, a, one of my counties out of Fargo. Uh, it happened right out of the side of the north of the little town of Medina, North Dakota, February thirteenth, nineteen eighty three. It was a Sunday afternoon, uh, about fifty degrees, uh, relatively warm for that time of year in North Dakota, mm-hmm. but it was a sunny day. And uh, Gordon Call was a farmer tax protester who. Uh, refused to cooperate with uh, the IRS on a uh, probation violation, an IRS tax evasion case. Uh, so the Marshal's Service never got around to trying to serve the warrant because Gordon Call lived on a farm that was heavily armed, and uh, it was a minor warrant that they didn't really, it wasn't a priority. But one day, this Sunday, February 13th, the uh, a deputy sheriff uh, spotted Call and a few of his followers having a meeting every Sunday afternoon. They would get together, and, and it got to be. Uh, we had some inside sources on that. What happened was they got to be where they carried more guns. They talked more violence, more anti uh, law enforcement, and uh, the, a deputy sheriff uh, spotted the vehicles. Uh, called the marshal's office. They gathered up several of their deputies and uh, local law enforcement, and they went out and confronted the group as they left uh, this meeting place. And then a shootout uh, started, and uh, there were some injuries and deaths. And anyway, I got to call around, and it was about three in the afternoon. I got to call about five o'clock. Uh, had to drop everything and head out to. Uh, to the area and spent the next, really the next six weeks uh, working out, out there on that case. And of course, the FBI responded from, they sent out extra agents from uh, Minneapolis. We had ex- extra agents came up from uh, out so- South Dakota uh, to help on the investigation. And uh, that was in February. It went to trial in May and uh, two of the lesser uh, non-shooters, but the protesters got like six months probation. Hmm. But uh, the two shooters, <clears throat> main shooters, uh, two young men actually. Uh, one was Gordon Call's son, and the other was a neighbor. Yeah, uh, got two life sentences because of the two deaths of the marshal and sure. deputy, U.S. deputy marshal, and uh, they're still serving. And this, and they were like twenty-four, twenty-five years old. And wow. 
And and all because they're protesting paying taxes. Protesting. There was a lot of farm problems. Uh, crops weren't selling too well. Uh, the government was foreclosing uh, on uh, farm loans, and so there was. It was a. It was a trying time, and uh, but a lot of them relied on Gordon. Gordon was like sixty-five-year-old farmer that uh, he led the meetings, and they kind of just followed along and. And what happened to Gordon Call? Is he is Gordon he incarcerated Call, or Gordon Call uh, fled immediately after the shooting and was eventually traced to Arkansas, uh, where he was hold, hold up with some sympathetic people that he I think they were former North Dakota people that had moved to Arkansas. Uh, about uh, two months after the trial. There was a shootout at the home where Gordon Call was staying, and um, between the FBI and the Highway Patrol, and somebody uh, got on the roof and poured gasoline down the chimney and threw a match in, and uh, that of course the house burned up and Gordon Call was inside and died. Oh wow, that's quite a story. That's almost a book in itself. There's been several books, several books written uh, about it. And uh, before we get into your books, uh, yeah. just to kind of wrap up this this career part of it, do you ever do you ever sit at home, turn on TV shows, and watch uh, FBI shows? Rarely, rarely. <laughs> I remember oh four or five years ago, there was a new FBI show that uh, I don't remember what it was called. Uh, and I decided, well, maybe I'll, I'll watch it. And it started off, it was about a, a window peeker. And I thought, well, I wonder where this is going to go because I've actually, I've, I've featured a window peeker in a couple of my books. Hmm. But what happened was the FBI agents, the story was more about their love life than it was about this, about any kind of investigation. And it was really very disappointing, very disappointing. So, uh, but a lot of people ask me that, do you watch yeah. this FBI story or this one or whatever? Uh, and uh, no, I don't. So to the TV producers out there, more action, <laughs> less love. We're talking with retired FBI special agent Ken Aldridge, and we will dive into his 12 books that he's written in next week's episode with the conclusion of our interview. As always, this is the place where you'll hear the latest Mansfield news, sports, and weather. Until then, don't forget to like, follow, subscribe, share, love, or support this podcast. If you haven't already so you never miss an episode, it's free and it's easy. Head on over to our website, aboutmansfield.com. Enter your email address right there on the homepage. We will never send you any spam. We promise. About Mansfield is recorded at Podcast Mansfield Recording Studio. Hosts Steve Casillo and Colleen Daniel. Moment with the Mayor feature Michael Evans. Science reporter Dennis Webb. Sports Jonathan Dodd. Methodist Mansfield News to Know Angel Biasati. Mansfield Real Estate Market Update Beth Steinke. Cocktail of the Week, Brian Certain. 
post-production editing, mixing, and mastering, Steve Casillo and Jonathan Dodd. This podcast is copyrighted by Podcast Mansfield Recording Studio for the private use of our audience. Any other use of this podcast without written consent is prohibited. We thank you all for listening on behalf of the entire news team. I'm Steve Casillo, and this is about Mansfield. Mansfield.